This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vits. Hear it. Feel it. Live it. 14 minutes past the hour of nine. A good morning to you. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Area Code, a special edition that is as today we are broadcasting live from Prime Media Broadcasting in Sandown. Hey now. My name is Homozo Munyai and I've got Mapabalo Boroto on the news desk as well. Mapabalo, good morning to you. Good morning, Homozo. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. Yeah? Look at us. Right, we're here. This is very exciting, I'll tell you that. Definitely exciting. How was your morning? Oh, I had a very eventful morning. Let me tell you that. (laughs) So today I probably use three modes of transport just to get to work. Okay. Yes. The first one was a truck. So I slept over my aunt's house today because we had load shedding at home. So my aunt's neighbor is in logistics, right? Yes. So he was like, oh, no, it's cool. You know what? Get into my truck. It's fine. Wait, in the truck at the back? No, ah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This was a truck in the front. And I'm not okay, talking like your, your truck vans. No, no, no. I'm talking like Code 14. Oh, okay. Okay, so I felt really big, child, you know? And was it warm? It, it was very warm, actually. Okay, it was better. very warm. And so as I got into the truck, let me tell you this. I think your mode of transport actually does determine how long your trip is going to be. That truck, I felt like going to Kabeja. To be quite honest, you know? And every day when I use a Zolabad or a Quantum, going to work seems very short. You know, probably like your training. minutes. I definitely agree with you. You see, when I use a Siaya, it yeah. feels like I'm just get, um, I'm going to a local place right? or something like that. Yeah. And when I'm using a Quantum, yeah, it feels like, no, I'm traveling to Johannesburg exactly. right now. <laughs> exactly. Or even a bus. When you're using a bus as well, it's just a mission. It feels like you're going very far, right? Yes, definitely. If you're listening right now, let us know where you're listening from. Today's hashtag is Prime Media Radio Day 2022. So please do engage with us on our social media platforms at VAWFM, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Mapabalo, I just want to know what it is that we can expect on the news desk today. What's happening right, in the world? So today we're focusing on the Department of Basic Education. Um, we spoke to uh, an, an education analyst, Hendrik Maganeta, earlier today, just to ask him what could be the reason there's been a decline in learners choosing mathematics as their subject. And in those who choose mathematics, only 30% of them pass. Here okay. in South Africa. Yes. And he gave uh, he gave a lot of reasons. One of them being the Minister of Education, Me'enji Mutekha, actually mentioned that South African learners don't need mathematics to succeed in life. There's a whole lot of careers that we can actually choose from in order to succeed and we don't need math in that. Do you believe in that? I definitely believe in that. Okay. I did not do mathematics in high school and look at me. Successful you are. <laughs> <laughs> Still in okay. the Department of Basic Education. Yeah. Um, the bad news is four percent of only four percent of learners who start grade one in South Africa end up with degree qualifications. Mm, imagine four percent. Only four percent. That is a very small number. A very small number, and that's according to a uh, Minister of Innovation and High Science, high, Science and High Education, rather, yeah. Mr. Bladen Zimande. He stated this would he only if a thousand a thousand learners registered to for being in grade one in a certain year, only 4% of them obtain a degree qualification. Imagine. Imagine. Hectic, isn't it? Ridiculous. Yes. So speaking to the analyst again, education analyst, he mentioned it could be due to um, a few, let's say a few, there's, there's a few factors that leads to that. Yeah. And you can, you'll find that 
people who graduate mostly do not come from townships and our rural areas. This is because schools that are situated in townships and our rural areas lack a lot of... Um, activities, subjects, things are limited. You get what I'm saying? And sometimes even the infrastructure itself is not developed enough. Yes, definitely. So that's what we had on our news desk today. We'll be covering on load shedding as well. Of course. There's a whole lot to come. Hey, on the note, actually, if you're coming out from Soweto this morning, you must know that there is a lot of traffic and it's due to protests because in and around of Soweto, we have load reduction, if I'm to even call it that at this point. So coming up on today's show, this is what you can look forward Two, we look into the history of radio, where it began, where is it going, and we're just schooling you a little bit on the conversation around radio, okay? We cover top stories as well, and one of the first stories that we get to look into this morning is the tragedy that took place in the Eastern Cape just this past weekend, um, and we give you an update on the story. As it turns out, that carbon monoxide poisoning may have actually contributed to the Enyobeni Tavin tragedy. We also look into the second case of monkeypox that has been detected in South Africa, and the Government calls for vigilance, not panic. I think I should repeat that one because some people are already panicking, okay? He calls for, the government rather calls for vigilance, not panic. So, woosa. Okay, in the second hour, we get to speak to Randall Abrahams as we are here to speak about the Prime Media Radio Day and we speak about this particular medium, which is radio. We also move into a conversation that has to do with language and community radio as, you know, it's one of the conversations that we are having right here on Area Code this morning. So please feel free to join in the conversation at VAWFM, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Like I said, the hashtag is Prime Media Radio Day 2022. We wrap up in the the third hour with a conversation with Trish Taylor, who is the head of broadcasting right here at Prime Media, and she will get to tell us how she runs and stabilizes the ship and the content you get to hear from any Prime Media radio station. Lastly, if you are a radio lover, listen, this one is definitely for you, so I want you to come through because the seat is definitely reserved. Do you think that community radio should be a harvesting ground for commercial radio? This is an important one to myself personally as someone who is in community radio. So listen, come through at VAWFM, like I said, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Welcome to Area Code. Now, I would like to let you know that we are broadcasting live right now from Prime Media Broadcasting in Sandown. So do engage with us on our social media platforms. It is at VAWFM, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And the hashtag for today is Prime Media Radio Days 2022. And that's what brings us here actually right now. And Bobby, I want us to talk about something that is very close to us since we ourselves are broadcasters, right? And before I do that and take you a little bit on just the history of what radio is, what was your first encounter, would you say, with radio? By first encounter, you mean my first experience with yes. radio. Your first experience. <laughs> Where do I start? Do I even tell you how I applied, how I got into radio? Every single thing, Every okay? Thing. All right, perfect. <laughs> so this is how it went. Yeah. I texted the station's WhatsApp number, Valorfam's okay. WhatsApp number, where yeah. we usually get our voice notes to play on air. I was like, hey, I would love to do my my in-service learning there since I'll be graduating soon. So I definitely need to do my practicals at VAW. This is what I studied and uh, I've written for a few digital houses and all of that. And I actually got a response. I don't know who responded, obviously, but they were like, please text, um, email the station manager when the station manager was still Shoshua Koo. So they sent me Shoshua's email on my WhatsApp and I did it right away. It was around December in 2020. 
2020. Yes. Uh, I sent Shasha the email and uh, she responded the following year, which was in 2021, January, telling me that she will uh, forward my CV to the news editor. The news oh. editor was still Lindy Wemabena. Yes. Lindy responded on the 16th. She okay. actually called telling me that I need you here at Vow FM tomorrow. And I was excited. Just like that. Just like that. Well. Uh, and I... I, I went to Vow, um, saw how things operate in the newsroom. It was nice and all of that. I actually did Shadow Lerato Moho a week. Yes. And after a week, it was educative, beautiful. You're doing what you studied for. It's all a human can ever ask for. And what about so, as a listener? Just briefly, what about as a listener? I mean, the first time you listen to radio, do you even remember that? I listen to radio every day. Okay. I don't even remember when was the first time I listened to radio. Because my parents grew up listening to the city FM. Okay. But then, you know, when you grow up, you have to choose your own path. Of course. What you want to listen to yes. and all of that. And I loved listening to 947. Now I have to, I had to venture into the journalism industry. So I have to listen to more talk. So oh. that's 702 and SAFM. Yes. Yeah, those yes. kind of. Okay. Okay. I like that. So the reason why I'm asking you that is because I was reading a book. It's called um, The Power, Creating Powerful Radio by yes. Valerie. And in there, she references something really interesting, I think, where she talks about a certain country who experienced radio for the first time. And when they looked at this box, they were shaking it so much because they thought there was an actual man in it. <laughs> so they called it a man in a box, the radio, right? Makes uh, sense. It, it makes <laughs> Though this generation, I'm at 2000, that is, and just the Gen Z are as fascinated about radio though, as much because um, of how accessible it is now. We can have yeah, it on our phones, yeah. you know, it's not just in the box that it was. You don't actually then. have to go to the shop you and buy a radio. Li- exactly, yes. right? Exactly. And so I was just scrolling through and doing my own research, and I just thought radio has evolved not just in the medium itself, but the name. You know, at some point it used to be called Electrophone. Telegram, and I just thought re- telegraph that is, mm-hmm. and now it's called radio, right? And I have to tell you this that James Clark Maxwell is the first person who actually predicted the existence of electromagnetic waves beyond visible light, okay? And then came a second man who is Hendrik Hertz. With curiosity, he then proves the existence of these electromagnetic waves, right? Comes Italian Guglielmo Marconi who then decides to capture these electromagnetic waves and he then developed a practical device for sending and receiving radio signals and I know you're probably thinking I might not recall these names but at least capture some of this information okay <laughs> it's quite complicated really important. <laughs> and then in 1906 we have Reginald who comes through and decides that this can actually carry your voice right and then he realizes that you can actually send and receive messages through waves and I know in the history of this if you are a feminist like myself you're probably wondering where are all the women right because we usually have men when it comes to innovative Mm -hmm. um, stuff but the women are there as well okay so we continue the conversation please do stay tuned like I said the doors open so come through and let us know what you think at VowFM Twitter Facebook and Instagram is going to be an information field show today vow fm 88.1 and if you just joined us we were talking about the history of this beautiful medium that is radio that entertains informs and educates us okay and we were just giving a general um history of radio but now we're gonna zoom in a little bit and localize it right here to south africa so in 1927 
I cannot tell you what was happening then because I wasn't alive, okay? But I can tell you that the African Broadcasting Company was created and it provided new services that South African listeners had never experienced before. These included your time signals, your market prices, news, advertisements, while a live studio orchestra provided the music. And then we fast forward a little bit to 1936 with the creation of SABC as the new public broadcaster is created. Unlike the ABC that mostly broadcasted in English, we had the SABC come in in English and Afrikaans, okay? And through SABC, South Africa is then introduced to the first commercial station. I mean, Bobby, can you believe all of this information? I mean, I'm just thinking now when you look at the radio Listen, landscape. the funny part about all of this is yeah. I learned all of this during my second year okay. when I was doing media studies and I was like, ah, history. <laughs> I didn't do history in high school. Where am I doing this again? <laughs> but it's quite educative. It I is. love it. It is. It really is. And then in the 90s, 1950s, um, it became hugely popular thanks to its bilingual radio dramas, and I'm talking about SABC. Um, we moved to the 1960s where the Broadcasting Act was then aligned with the promotion of Bantu Self-Government Act, which resulted in the establishment of Bantu Radio. By the late 1970s, Radio Bantu had 5 million listeners. This is the craziest number of listeners, honestly, at a time listening to radio all of us at the same time. And maybe what contributes to this, Bobby, is also the fact that television wasn't established yet, you know? And uh, radio was kind of the only medium that produces exactly. sound. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And then in 1976, as you would have it, television po, 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 finally joins the broadcasting scene. And this is said to have threatened radio, much like everything else that is happening now. Your social media and all other podcast, digital platforms. Your podcast. All of that. I don't you know? think anything would ever take the space that radio occupies Same. in the world globally. Same. Same. So, yeah. I think, you know, what it does, um, rather, it's, it, it, it complements it more than it does yes. take over it, you know? Because people create podcasts after they've gotten experience from radio. True. Exactly. True. That's true. That is true. And so, the thing about radio is that also it adapts to the environment around it. You know, TV comes in, radio finds its way onto TV, so you can now access it there mm-hmm. as well, like we're seeing um, now these days, right? The internet comes through, and now we can also stream as you can see it on vowyafame.co.za. See what I did there? Well, do that, okay? <laughs> that is the evolution of radio and its tenacity. Right after this, we get into our top stories today. And the leading one that just broke out has to be R. Kelly. So please stay tuned. It's Vow FM 88.1. Vow FM 88.1. It's 9.40 right here and I'm going to emphasize this at every chance that I get to switch on this mic, okay? We are broadcasting live from Prime Media Broadcasting today and like I said, please hashtag it throughout the entire three hours that we are here. It's hashtag Prime Media Radio Days 2022. Bobby, I'd like us to get into our top stories now. R. Kelly is trending. So on Tuesday, we know that we're anticipating his sentencing with a lot of people uh, anticipating that it will be 25 years. The team that uh, represents him, his legal team, had asked for 17 years. But now we see today that the man has has been been. sentenced (laughs) to 30 years. This is a 55-year-old man. And I mean, if we add on 30 years, that'll probably be like 80-something. Listen, Khomuto, 
really age doesn't matter in this case yeah. i'm glad Uti, the law took its course i'm glad that something is being made and these perpetrators sexual offenders are being shown are being shown what will happen to them if they continue to mm. perpetrate women young children and men as well if you have if you offend someone sexually then you have to face the consequences Absolutely. there's no other way it doesn't matter whether you go to prison for 30 years and if if it happened Uti, mina i was the president of south africa sexual offenders were going to go to jail forever. Mm. That's what they deserve. Absolutely, I agree. But what do you have to say about the people who are in defense of him? We're saying this is a black man who's yet again being victimized and he's um, going through the jail system yet again. What do you think? We've it's not this. like he's being wrongfully charged. He committed these sexual acts, right? We've seen these things happening. They happen every day whereby people uh, protect rapists, yeah. sexual offenders. Yeah. We see it every day and I don't think we, we're moving in a better direction or we'll be getting away from that anytime soon. However, I'm glad that the law is showing them the right way. I, I really don't want to speak on behalf of people who sure. are defending Arkeli yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. I'll speak on behalf of me and I'll speak on behalf of people who have experienced sexual assault mm-hmm. or rape or anything mm-hmm. like that, that he deserves it. We really don't have to protect any criminal. It doesn't matter what you do. Matter, sexual offense, yeah. whatever that you do, you deserve to face the law, face the consequences. And even your status doesn't matter. You can be the most successful musician exactly. in the world. In this, even the president. Yes. In yeah. this context, status, age, money, Does not matter. nothing matters. Well, that is true. That is true. Thank you for that one. Bobby. we move on to another story that is happening right here at home. The death of 21 teenagers at the Enyobeni Tavern in East London in Eastern Cape. A tragedy that is, um, as it happened over the weekend, we realize actually that the deaths of those 21 teenagers has been caused by carbon monoxide poisoning okay sources close to the investigation believe that the children aged 13 to 17 could have been killed by toxic fumes that may have emanated from a petrol generator that was suspected to have been used inside the tavern and i'm not sure Bobby, if you've been following on the story but you will see that even um as you watch the news some of the teenagers that are reporting on this will tell you that while they were in there partying and drinking and all that stuff um they saw the bouncer actually throwing something um, that seemed like gas is what they report and then closing the door and then we wake up to the news that it could be um, carbon monoxide and the fact that it could be means that it's not confirmed fully right Um, and so police crime scene experts are reported to have found as well a petrol generator inside the venue where hundreds of these young revelers partied from Saturday night into the early hours of Sunday morning. We've got uh, Kuselwa Ranji, who is the spokesperson for the provincial government, um, having something to say here. Um, government through the interministerial committee as well as the Buffalo City Metropolitan Municipality has been in constant engagement with the families who then expressed a wish that um, a funeral, a mass funeral service rather, uh, be conducted next week Wednesday. It is expected that uh, it will just be a service uh, at an appropriate venue in Sinar Park and thereafter families will be assisted with the transportation of the bodies to 
um, the various burial sites that uh, they would have chosen. Uh, we also understand that um, from the 21 uh, that have passed on, there are those that will be buried in areas outside the Buffalo City Metro. Um, government is at this stage busy with those processes to make sure that um, these young people are given a dignified sense. Um, as of last night, only 20 bodies were identified. There is still one that has not been identified and uh, authorities are working uh, with the communities to make sure that the one young person who has not yet been identified is identified. We also call upon uh, families that may be missing, uh, perhaps they are loved ones, to um, uh, make contact with the police through one uh, or uh, the Sinar Park Police Station uh, go there for further information so that they may be directed to where the body is being kept at this stage. Um, at this stage, it is still uh, very early to tell whether um, they, they are properly coping with the situation. However, uh, social workers have been on the ground since Monday. Uh, we are receiving reinforcement from some NGOs who are supporting the work that government is doing to make sure that there is engagement at an individual level, at a family level, as well as a community level. Um, the plan is that there also must be work that is done uh, uh, with group dialogues within the community so that everyone and anyone who has been affected uh, by this tragedy is uh, assisted uh, in terms of easing uh, through the pain. And also we um, are uh, expecting that the four that are still in hospital at the time that they are released and they can uh, start interaction with uh, psychologists, they will also be provided uh, with such care. The other element that uh, social workers are looking at is the schooling environment. We understand that some of these learners um, were uh, attending schools in and around the PCM area. So there's uh, work that will be done also to make sure that um, when the camp starts um, in the next week, those learners that may, some of them perhaps, be hearing for the first time that they are friends from the school, uh, they also receive help and the situation will be monitored. I'm going to touch on the last note that Mam Kuselwa makes, Mababalo, um, about some of these kids returning to school and only discovering then that some of their friends have died. We really don't know who to blame. People have been blaming the tavern owner, the kids, the parents, but who's to blame? I think I think everybody. I think the community. I think the tavern owner themselves. I think the parents. You know, um, I, I think everyone is to blame to this. To be quite honest with you, and I just I can imagine as a community having to bury twenty bodies. Yeah, that's hectic. That's twenty bodies of teenagers. Twenty bodies of teenagers as well. And I really do hope that the four who are remaining do recover and do return to school, and that this will be a lesson even for the community. It will themselves. never be a lesson. It would never be so. a I've been in high school. I know these things. They've been happening. We people or teenagers get away with these things, um, dodging home, going out at night, partying and all of that. Parents, teachers and the community will always reprimand us. But I feel like the government has given children too much rights mm-hmm. to a point whereby they take advantage of older people's um concerns or them reprimanding them. But don't you think it's different now because there's death? 
And it's not just one body. Death that doesn't scare anyone. You don't think so? Death doesn't scare anyone. It happens every day. We see these things every day. People die from certain things every day. But people still commit those things that lead to death. But we don't have just 20 kids between the ages of 13 and 17 who die from just partying, Bobby. 13-year-olds can't comprehend what is wrong or what is right. All that they want to do is to impress their friends and have fun. And I think they're that's teenagers. where the root of the problem is, yes. then, don't you think? Has, I'm saying, who are we blaming? Mm. Well, it's 9.49 right here on Area Code of FM 88.1 and we are currently covering top stories. ESCOM says that although it has held a productive meeting with trade unions on the need for the power utilities workers to return to work, it will take some time before the grid can be fully restored. On Tuesday, actually, the power utility announced that it was implementing stage six rolling blackouts and it is the second time the level has been reached in the country okay after power cuts in 2019 south africans have suffered power cuts and rolling blackouts for over a decade and the wage dispute has only worsened the situation let's here actually what South African citizens think about this but before that I want us to take a listen to the ESCOM COO actually Jan Oboholza because he has something to say we have some constraints and that is mainly due to uh, a lack of operators you know to return these units now one additional unit uh, at Matla Power Station which previously out on service due to a breakdown is then also expected to return to service today but once again this is dependent so you know Bobby, I have to tell you this, right? That in this country that we live in right now, it's more risky to say you have electricity than anything <laughs> else because you will be attacked. Okay. Imagine having electricity for 15 minutes. Exactly. And let me tell you this, okay? And I will be very honest in this one. And I'm sure you, VowFM listener, will also agree with me on this one or relate even, right? I was one of those people who did not understand the extent to which um, low shedding is so bad in our country until Monday when we had load shedding mm-hmm. and when it came back they took it again right after five minutes and since then we haven't had electricity and today it's Thursday which means it's four days the fourth day the fourth without day electricity. without electricity and so I can understand why when someone comes from wherever they come from and say oh you know what I'm planning gazing a manzi ah oh I haven't got a chance to drink that nice cup of coffee because I've got electricity people are privileged it's we've got people who still bath with hot water it's provocative it's yeah. very provocative <laughs> right about now <laughs> You know, because this is a struggle that we are all facing. And I can understand then why thousands of residents will come out of Soweto and go and, and protest, protest in Brumfontein. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's not nice really waking up Ekseni with no electricity. It's dark. There's no hot water. You have to travel to work. It's quite a lot of things. It's quite challenging. It's, I'm one of those people who are privileged, actually. Oh, well. <laughs> no are load you, shading whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> no load shading or anything like that. We've had electricity. Okay, we did struggle with electricity at the beginning of winter, but yeah. things have been smooth since then. So what do you mean smooth? Are you not on stage two at least? This, I don't know. Maybe we do experience stage two when I'm at the office. But as soon as I get home, there's electricity. When I grow up, I oh, really want to be like on. you. <laughs> <laughs> you are living a really fancy life. The next story that we cover is monkeypox in SA. Government calls for vigilance and not panic. Area code. Broadcasting live from Prime Media Broadcasting Studios. The National Department of Health is calling for vigilance and for those experiencing symptoms to report to their nearest health care center. We've got Dr. Sbongseni Lomo, who's the Deputy Health Minister, talking to us about this. The only information we do have is that he's a 30-year-old uh, South African in Cape Town 
uh, who also has no history of travel and has actually got a positive response from the laboratory test of a monkeypox. That's all that we have. They are still tracing and investigating if the relatives or any that he has got close contact with could also be having or developing the monkeypox. Look, it could have been someone who traveled and visited and came to our shores. We don't know as yet how these two cases, second one being today, have come up to be having monkeypox. Monkeypox has been there in Africa, North Africa and West Africa for almost over 20 years now. So it's a new uh, uh, entry into our country, South Africa. Hence, we have to report it. It's a very self-limiting, less uh, uh, severe disease compared to what our grandmothers would have told us as a smallpox. It also presents with these blisters on the skin, face, and the upper trunk, and uh, they're itchy, and uh, most cases self-limiting, and uh, it can come with like fever. It's a viral infection. Uh, we also know that it is not as severe in terms of spread, though it's an infectious disease. That is Dr. Asbongiseni Lomo, Deputy Health Minister, commenting on monkeypox. Bobby, are you panicking or are you vigilant? I'm not panicking. You know why? Tell me. Earlier, earlier this month, yeah. I did an interview with Dr. Jacqueline Weyer to unpack more about this infection or virus and she told us not to panic as South Africans and she hopes that the health actually handle this pandemic better if Mm. that's what we call it she hopes that we'll (laughs) handle it better than the COVID-19 pandemic but I'm really not panicking I'm hoping that our government will do anything they are at most best to protect its citizens from monkeypox but you cannot excuse us from not panicking and I say that because we are still traumatized by what (laughs) COVID-19 did to us I hardly panic so so every time someone mentions pandemic or new virus we immediately slip into a panic mode we're triggered you know that 19 takes the cup listen COVID 19 l- yes, well, we never know now <laughs> we never know really that's where we ended for our top stories today the time is 9 55 please don't you go anywhere except in our social media platforms it is at vow fm twitter facebook and instagram the hashtag is prime media radio day 2022 area code broadcasting live from prime media broadcasting studios the hashtag is Prime Media Radio Day 2022. So I know I promised you an interview with Randall Abrahams, the CEO of Prime Media Broadcasting. And yes, that is definitely still happening. So please do stay tuned. And while we wait and anticipate Randall coming in, I want us to touch on something a little bit here, um, Bobby. The role of community radio and languages in South Africa. What's your home language? English. <laughs> My home language is Sisu too. <laughs> you know, that's funny. The fact that you would say English, because I think a lot of us could actually say English is our home language. Hey, I think we've colonized our parents as well and we've converted them to speak English to us more than they should be actually speaking our native languages. Listen, when I was in grade five, yeah. my Afrikaans teacher asked me what's my home language and I said Sasutu. And she was it. like, no girl, your home language is English. You're doing English as your home language here at school. Therefore, English is your home language. Well, that's not right. And then you know what they do in school? Now that you've mentioned it, mm. they will put your native language as a secondary language and it shouldn't be that way I think it should be a choice don't you think I did not do my native language at school oh, I did well. Afrikaans <laughs> one of those <laughs> do you think it was a disservice though to you no it was not because I had a choice to choose okay there was Isizulu Isipedi and 
Afrikaans. So those were the only three options I had to choose from as my first additional language. And I opted for Afrikaans. Why not? I know why. I want to know why. (laughs) Come on. It's a a nice language. It's a beautiful language. And I'm keen to learn at all times. And it was a very easy subject. So I've been doing Afrikaans since grade three. So when I had to choose in grade 10, I went for Afrikaans. Well, it's interesting that you say that. You actually bring a different perspective because anyone who says, I chose to do Afrikaans while there was Isizulu, Sisoto, Tsonga, Venda at school, we attack them. We're very quick to attack them because we think, why not enhance your your home language, you know, or why not invest in the language that you're already speaking? I mean, and I will tell you this, Mm -hmm. growing up in Johannesburg, I think our Isizulu, Sisoto, is very diluted and you know that mm-hmm. for sure because when you visit in your free state or even in your KZN they tell you this they speak right? different Zulu they and do Sosu, yes they do they speak uh, different so that's something that you different you bring on a different perspective when you say that I took on Afrikaans because I wanted to learn a language because it means even the approach is different you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and I think people who are um, proudly that is Zulu Sotho, um and all the other native languages are very subjective sometimes when it comes <laughs> into this conversation and very defensive rightfully so as well right and for someone who grew up in Soweto where you will speak Sasoto, Swana, Bedi, Zulu in one sentence yes. that is it becomes very discouraging when you go in KZN and you are not familiar with certain words you know and simply because when you come from Soweto and therefore you're not fluent in certain words such as Isgata you know like if you do not know <laughs> what, <laughs> what is Isgata especially is. in the context of KZN, then they will come for you. And I want us to draw those conversation closer and narrow it down to community radio. You know, I think that our home languages are very important when it comes to community radio because of the role that community serves in these communities and in these societies, right? Because it's talking directly to that particular community. Mm. And if you're going to do so, then why not speak in a language of that community? You know? Yes, uh in your the the community the local footprint that you're broadcasting for exactly. make it easier for your listener absolutely yes. absolutely so i think hearing someone who shares your everyday experiences and comes from your community to share their story on radio is also quite validating right it assures people in the community that they are not alone right and that there are people in in in, in the same situations that they actually are as well so using the language of the community um, i think ensures that people who are not able to speak english for example are not left out and excluded as well from the conversations like they are with most commercial radio stations, right? I remember actually a time um, when I was doing an interview and I had one particular content producer and this person that we were interviewing was a music artist yes and they did not i don't i don't want to say they did not understand english but they were not comfortable that's the word mm-hmm. with the language english that is and so i decided to switch things up and talk to them in isizulu and in debrief the person said to me we don't do that we're an english broadcasting station so you don't ever accommodate that person in their own language and i thought that was a little bit unfair it wasn't unfair um, considering that we have radio stations that accommodate people who speak Isizulu, okay. even community radio stations. I once went to a science and journalism workshop in Pretoria because because of the Sasta intern, uh-huh. right? So when we were there, we were explaining which stations we work, we work for or which newspaper or media outlet you work for, what do you do there, the type of stories that you produce. And we've got people from the Eastern Cape who produce science stories in Isikosa. Imagine. Imagine those innovative. science words in Isikosa. Yeah, yes. the fact that they even <laughs> exist. <but laughs> it's quite, it's quite interesting. So yes, we've got radio stations 
that accommodates, I think, all 11 official languages in yeah. South Africa. So... I don't think it was unfair. We know that Vow FM is, is an English medium radio station. Sure. We have to stick to English, considering our local footprint. So you are saying as an artist, if you're coming to my show for an interview, then you should know that the broadcasting Yes, we should all compromise. We should all compromise. Right now, we are joined by the man that recently has taken over the reins as CEO of Prime Media Broadcasting, Randall Abrahams. He comes with a wealth of media and broadcasting experience, having launched his career in radio as a station manager of Good Hope FM and then moved to Johannesburg where he was part of the team that launched YFM. Randall? Welcome to Vowe FM. How are you doing? I'm good and thank you so much for, for having me. Thank you. So I'm sure you've been asked this question multiple times, but I will ask it again because this is a new environment. What is your vision for this space? Wow. Straight to it. Straight to it. I thought you were going to ask if me and Samizi got along. Well, no. <laughs> I was going to ask about desserts because I hear you make a hell a lot of desserts, but no. <laughs> Look, I, uh, I've been here for a month now. Uh, I think that um, you know I try to I try to look at radio brands holistically, uh, and I think that there are a lot of a, a lot of uh, work of understanding that I have to do. But the, the main framework that I always think about is the listener, because the listener is obviously engaging with a particular radio station, a particular brand, a particular on-air talent. But at the same time, they're um, you know, also committing themselves to other forms of media. Right. You know, so they don't say to themselves, well, at nine o'clock I'm going to listen to the radio and then at 10 o'clock I'll watch television. That used to happen. You know, that certainly was the way it was. Mm -hmm. You know, not people are doing, you know, 10,000 things at the same time uh, and they're able to consume media while at the same time going to pick their kids up at school or uh, planning what they're going to cook or working around load shedding schedules. And I think that one has to have an appreciation of who the listener is, mm -hmm. uh, what frames their particular environment, what frames their day, what frames their lifestyle. Uh, and you have to be meaningful to them. You have to, on a consistent basis, meaningful to them. Uh, and I think that when you're able to, you know, not necessarily plug in the zeitgeist, but plug into what makes them tick, I think that needs to be one of the one of the key ingredients in in making a, a successful media outlet. Okay. Um, because obviously, you know, it's so easy to start thinking about programming and formatics, and you know, who's on air and how the show sounded, and did someone use a particular word too yeah. often? That you know, it it can derail your thinking about who it is that you're trying to attract ultimately. And uh, and I'm sure that you're well aware, you know, there's this hectic competition, not only within our sector, but across the across the various sectors, across mm -hmm. the various media outlets. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you take television as an example, you know, something like appointment viewing yeah. uh, is not necessarily the be all and end all anymore. Certainly, for a lot of South Africans, it's it's still the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for others, you know, they might be streaming a particular show at a particular time. What does streaming mean? How does it impact us? That you can watch an entire season of a show rather than have to watch by appointment week. But one of the things that I'm trying to bring to this role is um, 
a greater appreciation of the listener and their lifestyle and a greater appreciation of all media types and how they impact our particular business. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned the listener because sometimes we tend to be a little bit self-indulgent, I think, um, with this medium. So what strategies then are you planning to implement? Just more elaborate. What strategies are you planning to elaborate to make this a success? And let's not use radio jargon. <laughs> um, like I've been asked that a lot, but I think that um, I think that I'm going to have to hold that close to my chest at the moment. Okay, because we're going to hold you accountable. We'll come back and say, of course, yeah, that is of true. Of course, I think I would like to. I would like to perform by deed. Okay, okay. All the best. That, that's what I'll say for now. All the best. So I was watching an interview of you, and it's a very old interview. And you had said that coming into media space was very difficult for you at that time. Do you think it's as difficult now, particularly in radio? Look, I think I think ultimately it's always going to be with its own challenges. Okay. Um, you know, I uh, when I got into the into broadcasting it was a very very long time ago it was during the transitionary period between the government and the democratic government mm -hmm. so you know those were obviously things that one had to deal with when yeah. i was at campus radio you know we we weren't allowed to transmit we basically just had speakers on our campus and our transmitters got taken away by the security police Ooh. so well. you know very <laughs> obviously a very very different environment to 2022 yeah. uh, and what you're doing but, um, you know, when we were at UCT Radio, we always felt that we were better than other radio stations. Well. We, we, we always thought that we were, we never thought that we were in the shadow of the SABC. We knew what the strictures around the SABC were. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, we imagined that we could be at least as good. Um, and I guess that that sensibility uh, stood us in good stead for going on into careers. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, we're, you know, young and full, but I guess, you know, that's, that's the way that it is. Yeah, that's how it goes. And, you know, one tries within your own particular environment to learn as much as possible and do as, as well as you can. And I think that that um, is good advice for anybody sphere of, uh, of a particular vocation. Mm -hmm. Don't think about oh but you know i want to end up at this radio station i want to end up at that radio station do as good as you can and better than you can in your particular role uh, and ultimately you will be rewarded well thank you for reminding me that because i mean i'm at a community radio station myself and I've, i imagine myself at all these other commercial radio Don't. stations right so it, i'm really maybe that's one of the reasons why i probably haven't even made it <laughs> some of them quite honestly um, and I want us to get to that actually sure. that for a person my, like myself who yep. is in um, community radio station that is either as a content producer or even a presenter what is it that commercial radio is looking for or what steps do I need to take in order to find myself I, I, think, I think I've given you the answer set your own benchmark so it's not about what you want. It's not about what commercial no, is looking no, no. for. It's, it's about setting your own particular benchmark. Okay. It's about you framing your radio station, what the output of that radio station is, why they're important to listeners, what it is that you do uh, that commands listener attention. Um, and it shouldn't be a case of, you know, if it's simply a case of, well, I listen to this person on this radio station and I want to be them. Well, you know, that's like 
people coming onto idols and wanting to be Whitney Houston. <laughs> There's already the late Whitney Houston. Right. It's not what we're looking for. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got to frame what your own identity is. Whoever's running the radio station has to frame the identity of that radio station, and then the the talent has to fit into that. Talent, right? Talent. It, 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 it rattles my cage a little bit. And let me tell you why. Because there is talent, right? But you find that on commercial radio stations, that is particularly, we have celebrities now, you know, who are being more prioritized than talent themselves that you can find in community radio stations or in campus radio stations. What's your take on that? Well, I mean, again, I said that, you know, digital is going to coexist for with radio for the longest time. Sure. You can't, it's not going to go away. Uh, and again, you know, people are, it's up to them to build their profiles outside of outside of the radio station. It's really important that they build their profiles on on other media, and that we similarly um, do some work in that area as well. Okay. So I think that again, it's about being the best you can be within the framework of your radio station. Let me give you an example. So. Let's take a football team. Let's take Manchester City. Okay. <laughs> Manchester City have won the league, I think, five times out of six, the Premier League. Mm -hmm. But who, who ultimately is Pep Guardiola in competition with when he builds the Manchester City team? And there, there are a lot of elements to that team. It's not just the players you see on the field. Right. Backroom staff, technical, uh, management, sponsorships, all those sorts of things. Okay. So... Who is he in competition with when he builds that particular team? There's a question. That, that is a question. <laughs> of course. That is okay. a question. Um, I think he's in competition with himself. You're the only person that you're supposed to compete with. Be better than who you were a minute ago. That, that, is, that would have been my answer. He's not in competition with Jurgen Klopp or with someone at another team. He only plays those people twice a, twice a season, guaranteed. He's building the framework of the team that he envisages. And he's buying players not to teach them how to play football, not for them to stop playing in the style that they play, but for them to play within a framework of his particular team. Mm. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, I'll, I'll take the motivation. Okay, I'll take that. What would you say is the role of community um, radio in the media landscape currently? Well, I think that community radio plays an extremely important point and a, a role. And I think that, again, you know, you a lot of people, and I've just come from, from the broader radio days discussion, mm -hmm. you know, they ultimately want to ask, okay, so how do I get into a commercial radio station? The question for me, though, is more... What is the value of community radio? Uh -huh. Well, the value of community radio, obviously, is that they're a lot closer to their particular target audience. You know, they, they have a far greater role to play from a social point of view, from a political point of view, from a, you know, they're, they're right there at the grassroots of what is important to their listener. Mm. We're, we're at another level because, obviously, we are trying to get broader audiences and, therefore, we have you know, larger transmitters, uh, uh, not transmitters, but transmission networks. Right. Um, but, you know, great community stations, you know, play a really, really important role minute by minute, day to day for their audience. Not only about music, but about what is important in those people's lives, what is happening in those people's lives. Uh, and they can have a very, very personal relationship with their listeners. And again, I think, you know, 
you have the, the benefit of the of the internet. So it's really, really important to find out what other community radio stations are doing across the world. Right. And how they are able to play that really, as I say, direct, almost person-to-person role with their listener. Mm. Mm. Randall, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, what I take from this conversation mostly is really that you are your own competitor. Now I know. Thank you so much for that reminder. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's Randall Abraham, CEO of Prime Media Broadcasting, in conversation with us today about the role that community radio plays. And like I said, if you yourself are in campus or community-based radio station, then this conversation was definitely for you. And I hope that you took something from it. Mababalo, I'd like us to return to the conversation that we had prior to Mr. Abraham's interview that we just had. Also, I like that interview. And I'll tell you why I like that interview. I loved that interview. Because it's personal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we relate so much to it. We, we do, we do. It's a very, very personal interview. So I'm really glad that we got to talk to him about all of that. So now we get back to the conversation that we're having about language, yes. right? In community radio station, that is. And I think just in, in radio as a whole, okay? So people always prefer to have shows in their own language, whether it's news, chat, sports, or weather, right? It's much easier that way. It's much easier, understandable sometimes, and also just to relate and also just to talk, yes. you know? Um, and using a language that is spoken by the majority of the community ensures that a large majority will be able to consume the content put out by the radio station. I mean, um, Randall was speaking about the role of community radio, right? In the media landscape and he said something i think that's really profound about how the successful thing about community radio is that they speak directly to their their audience audience, you know so so that's the benefit really for Mm. them and i think another thing that makes it so successful is that it talks to people in their own language so there's accessibility from that point you know um and community radio gives a voice to the voiceless community as well listeners are empowered to express their opinions or point of view on what matters to them and again showing people of a community that they're not alone and there are others who actually feel the same so we've got a voice note that i want you to take a listen to um from Hi. Um, I think for me, language is very important. It restores people's dignity. It grounds us in our roots and where we come from. It validates us and who we are. The use of English um, has made it very easy for people to disrespect those who do not speak English. So, and South Africa is a very diverse language. We've got the 11 official language, but over and above those, there's other um, languages spoken by minorities. I'd say it's very important to have community radio stations where community members and communities that speak Kilobedu are able to gather and share in their knowledge, their indigenous knowledge, and pass that knowledge through to their children and their grandchildren without any barriers or limitations in expressing themselves. I think, think about things as easy as hopeba, kasesutu, um, and you don't really have a word in English for that. So if you were passing down an indigenous knowledge um, or, you know, like a story that related to um, how would you tell that story in, in, in English? You wouldn't be able to. 
And that's why our languages are important. They carry the code of our knowledge and our understanding and our view of the world. Um, and we need to disabuse ourselves of the notion that um, English is the language for knowledge sharing and information sharing. It is one of the languages we can use. And so I would say then there's an absolute need for more community stations and more diversity in terms of content available um, at stations using languages. And I think our regulatory fra framework allows for that in the country. There's so many community, sta um, community radio stations catering for people who speak different languages, um, even languages that aren't necessarily um, or of the 11 languages that are recognized officially. Those are the words of Shreshre Gu, who is very passionate about language. If you've seen or followed her, you will know that. We're actually um, in a webinar just last week with her, and she was advocating for the same thing um, about language. And we always get into heated debates when her and I talk about language, because I believe language evolves, okay? That we can find a word such as hupepa in English, because we create stuff every single day anyway. But I understand um, what exactly it is that she's talking about and how we cannot just take any other word from Isuzulu and translate it to English and have the meaning stay the same, right? Because we risk um, losing the actual meaning of that word when we um, translate that word from Isuzulu to English. And it also talks about the value, I suppose, of community radio, that it's, 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 it's definitely rooted um, in language, Mapabalo. Definitely, as you said, so most communities, oh, not you, Randall Brent. <laughs> <laughs> most community radio stations um, are audience are fortunate and they're also fortunate because they get to broadcast to their immediate audience with their language, making it easier for their audience to understand and making it easier for the presenter to actually understand and relate to what they're saying. Absolutely, absolutely. And you are more empowered that way when you can communicate something in your own language. I mean, I know for a fact that sometimes when I go to KZN and my mom will be chilling with the family and they'll be speaking this deep Zulu, Sase Natali, and I feel excluded from the conversation and I feel disempowered because when I come in with my English, they'll say, ah, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Speaking of languages, what is your language? My language is Isi Zulu. Okay. Okay, but it's very difficult to answer that question because like I said, I grew up in Soweto. Where and you're multilingual. Exactly. <laughs> We've got like an abundance of language at your disposal. So I'll get out and my neighbor will say, do melang, and I'll come out <laughs> again, walk down the street, sanbonani, yeah. you know, and all those kind of things. So it's very difficult to say, what is your home language? Can they not all be? Speaking of languages, I once went to Lesotho this other time. I speak Sesotho Sako Gauteng, oh. not the one from Lesotho. You and so, I both. Yes. So when I was in Lesotho, I was still young back then, and we were playing with my cousins, and I used the word keazala in most cases. <laughs> they don't know what is they know and someone was like when you say you mean and I laughed like yes and in South Africa if you think about it you're kind of forced to learn other people's languages because you're shoved into any single kind of environment and there are people who just refuse to compromise speaking their language like they just will not speak any other language and an, an example of that are Kosa people Kosa people will not speak Isizulu will not speak Sesotho they will just stick to their Isikosa Zulu people as well. You think so? I travel to Bramfontein every day with a taxi. And okay. <laughs> MTM, there's a whole lot of Zulus. That is true. And if you do 
there ask a taxi driver directions speaking Sesotho, they won't even respond. They would actually tell you, until you decide to be serious and speak a language that I can understand clearly, then Sesotho is condescending. And it's disrespectful because you're dismissing me simply because I'm not speaking in the language that you want me to speak in. But it just reminds me of no Violet Bulawayo's book. In that book, she poses a really interesting question where she says, in what language do you think? What language do you think you think in? I actually laugh at my thoughts most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it too on what I'm thinking about. Okay. Obviously, when I'm thinking about Val them and the environment, depending on whether I'm in studio, in the newsroom, chilling by the corner. Um, in most cases, if it's by the newsroom, I would think English. <laughs> okay. Yes. But just chilling with my fellow colleagues, uh, no job or whatsoever, then we just speak Sesotho. Are you conscious of that? I never thought of it until now. But then, yeah, <laughs> what, what, what language do you dream <laughs> in? That's, that's very yes. important. I don't know, to be quite honest. Hey, I don't know. I think it depends on exactly. the day. Because depends. I feel like your dreams are a subconscious mm. particle of mm. what you are dreaming, right? So I have, I have no idea. But I will tell you, I do think in English. Oh, my mom is not proud of me, <laughs> wherever she is. But <laughs> I think most of the time, I think in English. It's 10.59. That's where we park the conversation right now. But like I said, you're more than welcome to continue the conversation it's at vow fm twitter facebook and instagram and now community radio stations have sprung up across the country in growing numbers becoming an important part actually of landscape for many they represent local voice which we've talked about um, extensively in the last conversation that we had right an important source of local news and a place to debate local issues and concerns as randall said community is more for society right yes so do you think that community radio should be a harvesting ground actually for commercial radio and if yes how and i'm asking you this directly because you are in that community station right now i'm listening to randall's interview mm-hmm. he said we shouldn't be doing community because we see ourselves in commercial right. a few years down the line mm-hmm. we should actually do what community radio expects us to do what the license of community radio stations expects us to do um, cover the the stories or incidents or social issues that they go through and yes. broadcast it and let it be known that a certain group of people in Johannesburg, this is what they're currently facing. Right. And yes, it is definitely a harvesting ground for people who would love to go to commercial. I'm pretty sure everyone would love to go to commercial if I'm not mistaken, but let's not have that mindset. Mm. I'm working at the voice of it right now because five years down the line, I want to be on 702 sure. or I want to be on S. Say FM. Mm-hmm. Let's do what the license expects us to do. Let's be the voice to the to the voiceless, cover stories that affect our audience, and broadcast. So, how has it been a harvesting ground for you specifically? And um, let me ask it this way, mm-hmm. right? I want you to tell me your journey from when you started to where you are now, based on your own observations, your growth, and how Vow FM has contributed mm-hmm. to that growth for you. See, the thing that I'm most grateful for when it comes to the voice of words yeah. is the people that work with. I've worked with a lot of journalists. I've worked with people who are not even qualified to be journalists but are doing journalism work. Mm. I've worked with Shoshet Koo. It's a privilege. It's an honor. I've worked with you guys, content producers, people who are studying something that's way different from what I've studied. My news editor, Refilo Mekwa, she's the 
one person that I'm grateful the most for. When I got to Vow FM, when I when I start, when I joined Vow FM News, I did not know how to write a story. Mm. I did not know that a story must have an angle, and actually, you can find more than one angle from one story idea. When we, when Lindy O was still the editor, she taught us how to compile bulletins, yeah. how to read news on air. She contributed a lot to our growth as well. Refila joined in the voice of words. She taught us how to write. She taught us how to source stories, how to get ideas, and how to actually find more than one angle that you can actually use one story and have 15 or 10 angles from that. What I'm mostly grateful for is the opportunity that Vow FM has actually given me. According to my contract, the one that I signed, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a science journalist. There we go. Yeah. But I'm allowed to broadcast any stories that affect uh, our our audience. Yeah. However, I must include science stories as well. Okay. By science, people will think Kibwaka oxygen, hydrogen, and all of that because a lot of people are not interested in science. Mm. And science is actually interesting. We are talking about community radio as a harvesting ground for commercial radio. I'd like you to jump in on this conversation that we are having right about now and we'll continue it after Mapabalo is done with her headlines. Right now, it's time for me to hear what it is that you have to add to this conversation. Asking you, do you think that community radio should be a harvesting ground for commercial radio? Let's hear you. Uh, community radio sector um, over the years has produced uh, a number of uh, broadcasters in the country, you know, talent producers. Uh, even high management and, and policy makers across um, radio market. You know, it's a very important tier of uh, radio broadcasting in South Africa. And I think um, it is a, a breeding ground, you know, uh, for future stars. And uh, it hasn't stepped wrong. If you look at number of presenters, within public broadcasting stations and producers and managers, and I think 70% of them, I can confidently say that they come from the computer sector. I think also it's worth uh, important uh, to mention that uh, the formation of computer radio, you know, um, came at the right time in South Africa. We, we have seen um, a lot of former uh, activist, student activists within campus radio, you know, becoming regulators, becoming policy makers within the new government that was formed. Um, but also we've seen uh, key personnel within stations, you know, uh, like talent. I mean, I can mention how Dax FM, um, you know, which is a campus radio station, voice of it, you know, and other uh, campus radio stations have continuously produced key personnel, especially uh, when it comes to talent. You know, I mean, let's look at um, the biggest commercial radio regional station, um, 947. Um, breakfast anchor come from a computer radio station. I mean, which was a campus radio station. Originally, they came from there. They moved to another youth public radio station, commercial then there with in that station and you look across the country I mean two key presenters within the biggest radio station in the country called FM they come from the radio sector one from Devon Youth Radio another one from Cora 
And um, it, it shows then that myself, I come from the community radio sector. I mean, I've managed one of the biggest commissions. Well, I suppose that is great, right? To hear from a product of community radio themselves speaking on this. I think that is quite interesting. Um, and it makes us also, I suppose, believe in community radio stations much more, don't you think, Babi? Yes, it definitely shows us, Ubuti, this is most definitely possible from being a product of community radio yeah. to being a product of commercial. But take into consideration what Randall said. Don't oh. work towards being commercial. <laughs> do your work and do what community radio expects you to do. I believe that fully with all my heart. But in reality, we know that even when you come into community radio station, you're working towards something. You're working towards somewhere, you know? Yes, most so whilst, whilst you are loyal to the work that you are doing in community radio station, I don't think you should lose the goal of where it is that you are going yourself. The goal is to be one of the best journalists. It doesn't matter where you are. Isn't it? That's no, what we said. I, 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 no, I, I disagree. Listen, you can be in commercial and I can, I can be doing far much better work than you. But you want to be there, my thing. So I think we should discourage people as well to wanting to be on a particular radio station that they maybe resonate with. I'm not discouraging anyone. I'm saying be one of the best broadcasters that you can be, whether in commercial or in community. I absolutely agree. Well, now that Shoshua has jumped in on the conversation, I suppose we can continue then, right? Welcome, Shoshua. How are you doing? Well, thank you so much, Homozo. I'm so happy to be here. It's so cool to see you guys. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really happy. It is, isn't it? Especially because you are former station manager of VAWFM. And then now you're here as programs manager and you are engaging with us on this particular topic from commercial to community. So I think, I think we are honored yet again to be in this space with you, right? No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I want us to talk about how COVID-19 has changed the way in which, one, we do radio, and two, the way in which we consume radio as well, right? Mm. Um, and Trish talks about the balance of science and art when it comes to post-radio, I mean, to post-COVID radio. Mm. What, what's your take on that? Sure. You know, for me, I think radio has is radio is one thing you know yeah. people want to connect with other people and radio pro, um, provides that type of platform so when covid came in i was still at voice of as a station manager i think our challenges were so many mm. we are a community station we just didn't have the facilities to enable our volunteer presenters to broadcast from home so we started off pre-recording shows editing them so i think right from when the president announced the lockdown mm -hmm. we were recording pre-recording editing shows and scheduling them to be played on the air so from a production point of view there was a lot of work that was put in but what we saw on the listeners side was that more and more people were tuning in and mm -hmm. they were joining from online and um they were listening because yeah, I know, right? Stop I'm clicking the pen. Click the pen. Is that, you know, um, what, you, oh, maybe we should give listeners context. So I've got a thing where if you click pens or you tap too much, you, you just trigger me too. I think they know, know you by now. now. I, don't know, I don't know what happened and I kept on clicking. I think they know you by now. Yes. Um, but uh, we, we saw... You know, at the time, what could have been a vet student or a vet living abroad um, 
tuning in to the station. They were listening from the US, the UK. We had our highest numbers coming in from Zambia. We also had high numbers from Namibia and Zimbabwe. So every day you saw the numbers of people connecting online from the various locations um, across the world. You saw the number of broadcasts um, or downloads and streaming of podcasts just grow and increase. There was so much demand for the content and the stories that were shared at that time. And I think for me, it was amazing. It was so much work. It was challenging. We had to deal with the realities of this pandemic that had come and blanketed all of us but also we knew that people were hungry to connect with their normal of sorts so they still wanted to hear their familiar vets Bramfontein vibe and we were able to do that and for me I think that was very important in that time so then surely the pandemic was sort of a blessing in disguise we can say hey I can't say that <laughs> oh, you see, no, I, I have no idea what that means I don't know. Do you want to translate it? Because we say we're not going to do I that. Can't. So we'll keep it as is. No, we're not translating it. We're keeping it as is. So radio, we've seen it go through a series of transformation. Um, and you mentioned podcasting as well, which I think we see it in isolation from radio. And I don't think we should. What do you think? I do think, um, so, I mean, radio is a medium. Sure. Podcasts are also mediums. Mm-hmm. What is one thing that we are doing is to tell stories. And what we want to do is to tell really great stories. We want to connect with a listener. We want to, you, you want to be on the radio and you want the person that's listening to you to imagine themselves having this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, whether you are doing that on the podcast platform or you are doing that on FM, I think is neither here nor there. I do think with emerging technologies, our world is changing so much um, that, you know, even the way we broadcast in radio, I don't know if you guys saw here in the 702 studios, we've got these cameras that are on the, um, in the studio, which means we're doing visual radio. Mm. So you, yes, we are on the radio, but later on, or if we wanted to, we could be streaming these live also. So the, the way we tell stories will definitely change. And it will be influenced by the technologies of that time. And right now we're living in the 4IR um, industry, or, you know, the yes. time that we are in. So I think, um, I think radios, yeah, radio podcasting, different. But great stories always. I I agree um, on that one. And you talk about visual, right, coming into radio. What does that do to the theater of the mind, though? You know, because I imagine a Shreshuku <sighs> to be probably a chubby lady who's oh. light-skinned, maybe with dreadlocks based on their voice. Hello. But now that I can access her, <laughs> I'm painting a picture. Dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, oh, bald hair. Who, who knows, you know? And <laughs> now that I've got access to her via Instagram or even via YouTube, what does that do to the essence of of radio you know well you know so i think radios um is mainly audio and audio is such an emotive medium you know i've got one example i share all the time when i talk about radio and sound is that if you hear a child crying and you are in the house and you can't imagine it yes your immediate response is to drop the pots and run to the child but if you see the child and they say, Ooh, you look at them, you lock eyes, and then you're like, ha, Munna, you just fell there. You know, you are able to use your visual gauge 
to decide whether this child is hurt enough or not. True. But that emotion that's pulled because you just only hear in the sound is what makes radio special. That someone's listening to you and is connecting with you. Um, it, it, that's why radio is special, I think. Yes, you are right. I won't lie to you. So I I, I work at 702 now. Yes. And so one of my colleagues um, um, who is on in the weekends, Paul Mtichacha, so I have a visual of what he sounds like. You know, he's one of the legends in radio broadcasting. And then, I mean, and I've seen pictures, okay? I'm like, this guy will change. You know, like, this, this is a phrase. And uh, one of our colleagues, Tolly B., um, says, oh, come, let me introduce you to Paul. I'm like, Paul is here? Um, he's like, yeah, that's Paul. I'm like, that's oh, Paul? that's my Paul. You know, so Paul. I get what you are saying because yes. we have our own. Like, I've got my own Paul Mdicha. And you know what's funny? To tell me. Is that even when I listen to him, like, I know what he looks like. The guy I interact with as my colleague is not my guy on the radio <laughs> because that vision stays because I have built that in radio. And I think it applies um, even when you think about books that have been turned into movies. Yeah. You watch the movie, you're like, ah, 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 ah me. You are not, you are not you're that not person. That like, person. This yes. is not it. Um, and so that's why I, I guess our brains and the way they work is so special and how we connect with stories and things. Um, but I can tell you, even if you see someone on the visuals, you know, in terms of visual radio, um, you, you still, you know, you still build around the personality they have. Based on the way you sound, you must be this kind of person. You know, True. I'll meet you, you'll be bubbly. And then someone's like, ah, but I'm off air now. You know, like, we're not working, so I'm not that person on anymore, the radio anymore. Yes. So it, it is difficult, but I'd say, let's let's maintain the specialness of, of radio. I agree. Um, yeah. I like the my guy. That that's not my guy. That's so personal, right? Radio is exactly that. Radio Absolutely. is very personal. Well, thank you for that. Very simple, straight to the point. Shasha, an absolute pleasure being in your company. Likewise, thank you, thank you so much for coming through. 702 Programs Manager, Shasha, you have last words to say? Well, all I actually, <laughs> I know last words. Thank you very much. I wish everyone here all of the best. I miss you very Aww. much there. Um, and you do know that I steal moments and listen in. So yes. thank you so much. And thank you to the VEST community. And thank you to all of the listeners. It's been a great honor. Ah, Shreshek, ooh, that is who she is. A special thanks as well to the producers of the show, Neo Molefe and Olani Baloye, for putting this together. We really appreciate you. And we thank you too, Vaufim listener, for tuning in and engaging with us today on this conversation. We'll see you tomorrow. We're making way now for Nana Moene on the Lunchtime Show. Likewise, it's hashtag Prime Media Radio Day 2022. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vits. To listen to more shows, tune into 8. 88.1 or live stream us on vowfm.co.za.